Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Today on Cinema and Cocktails, have you ever had a one-night stand? And what happened when it was over? Anna Lee Tipton and Miles Teller give us a window into that rite of passage for eh, some young adults in the film Two Night Stand. And when it comes to amnesia, uh, I'm glad I've never suffered from it. But if you have, you might have a lot of empathy for Mamadou Athi in the film Black Box. Both of these presentations can be found on Amazon Prime. As always, let's watch these movies and make those drinks. So I can remember this one time back when I was in college and I remember there was like this, you know, I was, I went to Howard university in Washington, DC and we had one of those kind of like freak, like snowstorms, kind of like ice storms. And it kind of shut the city down for a couple of days. And I, I remember I was dating this woman at the time and she and I got kind of, for lack of a better term, iced in. Right. And so, you know, we're in my dorm room and, you know, for the first, you know, for the first day or so, you know, it was kind of cool. I mean, you're in there, you know, watching movies, <clears throat> enjoying each other's company. And but by the third day, I think we kind of started getting on each other's nerves. You know what I'm saying? You start snipping at each other, making snide comments, arguing over the bathroom, uh, people not cleaning up in the kitchen. It just got kind of weird, you know, after a while. And I think anybody who has been uh, trapped in an environment with somebody that they care about or may not necessarily care that much for, that cabin fever kind of begins to set in. And that's kind of the premise for the film Two Night Stand, where uh, two people who made this kind of like online connection uh, kind of get you know caught in a snowstorm. And so their one night stand suddenly becomes a two night stand. So it's an interesting premise, an interesting kind of like, a, I don't want to call it a social experiment, but it's kind of neat to kind of watch how these characters kind of bounce off one another as they are stuck in their circumstances. So the two people who were involved in this, um, Anna Lee Tipton plays Megan, who has a very respectable 32 credits to her name. Uh, she has been in the uh, TV series called Hung. Uh, she was also in um, Summer Nights. And she was in Manhattan Love Story. But most of us can remember Annalie Tipton when she played the babysitter in Crazy Stupid Love. Remember the, the young girl who was totally in love with Steve Carell? Yes, that's her. Opposite of her is Miles Teller, who also has a respectable 33 credits to his name. Now, some of you all may remember Miles from uh, he was in that movie about the house party to end all house parties like every teenager's dream. It was a movie called Project X. <laughs> Boy, if, if we could only have one party like that. Right. He was also in the movie War Dogs. Uh, thank you for your service. And apparently he is in this, uh, you know, this 
uh, the, they just finished producing it, but he's in like Top Gun Maverick. And uh, I'm kind of interested to see uh, how this plays itself out. But his most notable role as of to date was he was opposite uh, J.K. Simmons when he won the Oscar Award for Whiplash. Yes, Miles Teller was the drummer uh, who remembered that infamous scene when he got slapped multiple times for <laughs> not having his timing down. Man, that was a that was a tough scene. But anyway, those are our two principal characters for this movie. Now, uh, Miles plays... Um, Alec and Anna Lee plays Megan. And so when we looked at it, when we look at their characters, Megan has an interesting arc. Okay. She kind of begins the movie and I won't necessarily a strange place, but kind of a place that's all too familiar for young millennials or, you know, young people in general. But I, I, I call it a strange place because I, I don't ever really recall. And I, I'm going to say this gently, uh, you know, seeing a female, I guess, bum, played out on screen i mean i know women see each other in this kind of realm all the time but you know usually when men men usually come when we come across women we usually think of them as having their stuff together focused they got their eyes on the prize the goals and career you know what they want to do but and this one she's just kind of lost you know she's like unmotivated she's unemployed uh she's horny it's, it's just it was it was strange you know it was just i know women are like you know that we can be those kind of characters too. I get it. But you know, from a male perspective, it was like, huh, unemployed, unmotivated and horny. Sounds like a teenager, teenage guy, but Hey, that's, I digress. Um, her backstory does kind of explain her position. Uh, and I think she does kind of give a convincing portrayal of a woman who's been through a lot through a series of her own missteps. Um, I like her, I like her aunt. I like her personality, but honestly, uh, you know, when I see Annalie um, in this role, she's kind of like that same kind of person all the time. I mean, she was kind of like, I won't say a loser in Crazy Stupid Love because she was like a young teenager. But in the other movie, um, I think it was called Summer Nights. She was, again, kind of like in the same kind of position where she, she's just kind of like this. I don't know, not the object of every person's desire. You know, she seems to be kind of like this unmotivated individual. I, I don't know. I, it's weird. I can't put a finger on it, but it seems to be like these similar roles where she's just not the, you know, the object of, of, of what people really, really want or what they hope to see. I, that's again, that's just, that's just me. Um, Alec is a typical guy in this particular role. Uh, he's just online dating, looking for sex. Now, he has his reasons for doing so, and over time they are revealed. Uh, he does play as well a very believable character, but it's also very shallow. You know, he's very humorous, and I, you know, I really appreciated his candor and his quick wit. But uh, and he too, his character has also been shaped by a bunch of events that that make him kind of vapid. But he does have a kind of like a sense of sensitivity to it. The dialogue in this movie is very, very sharp and quick-witted, almost sometimes where it seems like a little bit forced. Um, not in the sense that the, the lines seem to be over the top, but the delivery of such was sometimes so quick. You know, I question that how is it that people are able to process things and answer so fast and retort with such skill? You know, those things are kind of strange. Uh, there are moments where there are deeper implications behind the words that they stated, and it is great. So there are some moments where they have a little bit of subtext, and it's actually pretty cool. Now, the story, 
uh, the conflicts that are involved in the story, I, it's kind of hard to say. It does have a kind of like a Megan versus Megan kind of thing going on because she is clearly battling some demons from some failed situations and she really hasn't done a good job of getting over them. Uh, and they're definitely, she's definitely having some problems getting her life back on track. And as we all do when we're at that age, we kind of suffer some setbacks and then we just kind of let them kind of take over things and we really don't progress as we properly should. I wouldn't necessarily say the conflict between, I, I can't really call it a, a conflict between Megan and Alex as much as it is more or less like a battle of the sexes. The two of them kind of want the same thing and their hookup uh, automatically kind of puts into motion this chess game of emotion and sexuality about what they want and what they both desire. You could also argue that one of the conflicts is Alec versus Alec because he too is trying to deal with his own circumstances and he also needs help kind of coping with his own demons and how to deal with his own personal setbacks. But both of these millennials are definitely learning how to grow up relationship-wise, career-wise, and adjust to life. And so for people who are in this kind of group or who are kind of in this mode, this is a very, very enjoyable movie because they can relate. For older people, they, they may find it a little bit annoying sometimes watching them stumble around blindly trying to figure out who the heck they are. Now, as far as the plot type, uh, as I, you know, quote the great Blake Snyder in his uh, Save the Cat, uh, this is kind of like a rites of passage plot type where, you know, Megan, uh, as the main protagonist, I like to think in this film, has been kind of stuck in a rut after a romantic breakup. And she's clearly grieving her last relationship. And it's kind of thrown her job situation off and she's financially not doing very well. And... Uh, Everybody knows what the problem is. Her roommate, her roommate's boyfriend, and they're trying to find ways to help her, you know, re-jumpstart her life, okay? Something to get past or help her move her past her setbacks. And, you know, as with anything in life, only experience can help you get over it or only experience can help you find a solution. Maybe a new job, maybe a new boyfriend. And, you know, I guess in this situation, she kind of uses as sex as an opportunity to kind of get over everything. Thematically... You could argue that this movie has a love theme, even though it's kind of hard to really say it truly is a love theme, maybe or maybe not. It depends upon how you as the viewer interpret the, you know, the, the events of the film and how they play off. I, I don't want to kind of put that kind of emotion on a film like this. Uh, maybe it's kind of like a hope for love, maybe. I, I, I don't know. There's also the possibility of a self-discovery theme as you know uh, the, the, the main plot is both of these individuals are trying to figure out who exactly they are you know maybe this is supposed to be megan trying to find herself maybe this is a movie about alec trying to find himself and trying to move on with his own life but both of them are trying to figure things out and so this 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 date this hookup this this one night stand that turns into a two night stand kind of becomes this kind of like petri dish of experimentation where they're just trying to figure some stuff out not just necessarily sexually but also emotionally now, the, the structure of the movie followed, you know, your typical, you know, your, your, your typical plot structure. However, um, I want to say that, um, you know, the setup going into the first act, I thought was pretty done. The bulk of the movie obviously takes place in the second act. And I think it kind of drags on a little bit because when you get to the third act, it kind of wraps up relatively quickly. But, you know, you notice initially on that there's a need for a connection by Megan uh, and the second act is when she, you know, she transitions and she begins to go. She goes on her date, which kind of launches you into the second act. Uh, during the middle of the second act is when she gets snowed in with um, Alec and things get kind of, you know, interesting. And then, you know, at the end of it all, you know, uh, what's going to become of their relationship. So I think 
that third act to me was 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 it, it went downhill really really quick. Like it was like you you're waiting for something to happen, and then all of a sudden, boom, it kind of resolves itself. Okay, now. The director of this movie was a guy named Max Nichols, and he's done a series of, uh, you know, some TV shows. He's also directed some videos. Uh, but, you know, from a directorial standpoint, there really isn't much to his uh, to his resume. Um, now, watching the film and, you know, looking at what he did to bring the screen pay to life, man, there really isn't much there. I mean, I'll be honest. The film is basically shot in a limited number of locations. Um, and, you know, to me, the film was more about the performance of Anna Lee and Miles. Uh, both of them were just great bouncing off one another. I, I would be hard pressed to not believe that there were some moments where they just kind of improvised on the script. Uh, and also when it comes to artistry of this film, again, it, there's not much to it because it's just shot in different apartments. So there really isn't any great visuals. I don't really recall any uh, any you know uh, memorable music in this movie, and again, it's kind of hard to rate the cinematography of it all because it's just within a couple of sets, um, and basically keeping it confined to those one to that one area was basically the plot device. I mean, they're snowed in, so that's that's all you really really have, uh, and there weren't really any interesting camera angles or you know, yeah. I mean, there's a moment in there where the two of them. Are, are I, I want to say, for lack of a better term, are kind of performing for each other, I guess, to kind of pass the time. And so that's that's kind of stuff's kind of cute. But for the most part, there really isn't much there. Uh, what worked for me in this movie was the quick wit and the premise of the movie uh, and the performances that I thought were really, really great. What didn't work was that the story, when you really look at the story at its, at, at its core, it's kind of thin. OK, but it's stretched really, really well by Annalie and Miles. They did a great job. Um, it's rating. It is rated R uh, because there is, uh, you know, a sex scene and there is a little bit of scant nudity for the most part. As far as my Aristotle index regarding uh, likely impossibilities, unconvincing possibilities. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few unconvincing possibilities that did hurt the film. Um, and some of the scenes just kind of stretch themselves out because, you know, you're trying to make a lot out of the two people being trapped in a, an apartment. But, you know, it didn't really take away from the story uh, until, like I said, when you get to some of those unconvincing possibilities, you're like, I'm not sure that would actually go down like that or this could possibly work. But you suspend your disbelief because you want to see how the story is actually going to end. IMDb gave it, gave it a very solid 6.8. But Rotten Tomatoes, man, the critics kind of hammered this movie. They only gave it a 38%, and the audience score only was a 45 Me, personally, according to my own cinema and cocktail rating, I gave it a 3 to 3.5. I liked it. I think you will like it. There were moments where I laughed out loud. There were moments where I found myself saying, oh, no. Uh, there are moments where I was kind of rooting for different people at different times. So emotionally, I definitely did. I, I got caught up in the movie. I thought the dialogue and the acting was very well done. Uh, there were some great, great scenes where the dialogue was really well written and the way they kind of acted everything out was perfect. But it kind of fell apart in that third act, as I mentioned before. Um Personally, I think the screenwriter kind of painted themselves into a corner with the story, but they kind of escaped out the back door with some of those unconvincing possibilities. Be that as it may, it is a well done 
millennial romantic comedy that I think will definitely hold your attention all the way until the very end. As soon as I read the synopsis for this movie, it was easy to pick a drink for this one. <laughs> Sex on the beach, right? I mean, two people looking for a hookup and you know, one of the more better places to have that hookup is where? At the beach, right? So, I mean, that's it. <laughs> now, making a sex on the beach, uh, if you've had a good one, uh, it's it's a fantastic drink, you know, very sweet. Uh, but, you know, it's dangerous because you got a lot of vodka in there. So you got to be careful when you have these. So when you make a sex on the beach, you're essentially going to get about an ounce and a half of vodka. You're going to get one ounce of peach schnapps two ounces of orange juice, two ounces of cranberry juice, and a orange wedge to kind of garnish it. No, so basically all you're gonna do is you're gonna put all the drinks into a you know a vodka glass. If you like, you can go, not a vodka glass, excuse me, <laughs> a regular cocktail glass, a highball, or an old fashioned glass, whatever you wanna use. You just kind of fill it with ice, you know, fill everything in there, pour the cranberry juice over it along with the peach schnapps and the orange juice and everything. Might want to roll it once or twice to kind of give it a good mix and then drop the orange wedge in there and serve. So it's a really, really easy drink to make. Nothing to it. But very similarly, you know, sex on the beach, the drink versus sex on the beach in real life. It sounds good, kind of like a one night stand, but, you know. <laughs> It gets a little more complicated when you're dealing with like the water and the sand and trying not to be seen and yada, 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 yada. And one night stands can also get kind of complicated as well. I mean, with what to do and how to respond. And like sand, uh, those feelings can get caught in some of the smallest emotional crevices of our mind and within our hearts, especially when they become two night stands. After enduring a horrible car accident. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And losing his wife and his memory, uh, a father undergoes this very interesting experimental treatment, which causes it to question who he really is. Even though the purpose of it is to kind of like help him remember who he is, he ends up questioning everything. So without getting into that whole, like, you know, in one of my previous episodes, we went down this rabbit hole of existentialism. Uh, this isn't so much along that, along those lines, but there is a little bit of sense of exactly who somebody is as they, you know, deal with amnesia, which is a very, very 
serious issue when people suffer uh, head trauma. There's actors who star in this movie. Uh, Mamadou Athi, we've already uh, examined his career. I talked about him in Uncorked, uh, but he's got 19 credits to his name. Uh, I'll just kind of go over a few of those, such as The Get Down and Sorry for Your Loss um, and uh, his miniseries Jerome. But you all, again, may remember him from Uncorked. Uh, the other character in this movie is the great, uh, I like to think, man, is it Hollywood royalty or is it TV royalty? Man, I, I would go along the lines of saying TV royalty because when you think of TV moms, man, Claire Huxtable, Felicia Rashad, ugh, it doesn't get any more regal than that. She is a lifer on television. Uh, she got her start way, way back in the day um, on One Life to Live. Didn't know that. And Santa Barbara. Um, she also appeared on a um, an episode of Blossom. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers Blossom from like the 1990s. But, um, you know, it's about this young uh, teenage girl who is growing up with her dad after her mom, I guess, leaves her. Um, and she's dealing with her, a couple of her brothers. And it's just, you know, it's an interesting story, you know. But what was weird about it was there was an episode where uh, I guess she was going through this kind of dream sequence. And Felicia Rashad was her dream mom, I guess, with everything she wanted her mom to be. And I guess he really wouldn't be much of an issue uh, now because we're all into the whole multiculturalism thing. But back then, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Blossom was a young Jewish girl, I, I think. So to have this black mom as her dream mom, eh, it's kind of uh, it was kind of interesting. Now, mind you, like I said, this is 1991. So, you know, that's a it's, it's a whole nother that's a whole other discussion on, on race and stuff that I don't want to get into. But anyway, um, she was also in Touched by an Angel. Um, she was in the movie, uh, Frankie and Alice as Edna. And that's, a that movie was interesting. I, I was reading up on, uh, Frankie and Alice the other day about, you know, it was a, you know, a project of Holly Berry's and how it was made three years before it was finally released. And there's a whole bunch of interesting controversies behind that movie. Uh, she was in Tyler Perry's, uh, Good Deeds. I did not know that she was also a voice on the Cleveland show. She played, uh, Dee Dee Tubbs. Uh, she was in the television series uh, 13 Reasons Why. She also had appearances on Empire. Uh, but as of late, you know, when I saw her in Creed as um, Apollo Creed's <laughs> uh, wife from years ago, who is now raising uh, um, Michael B. Jordan. Oh, man, I, I thought she was great. I thought she was fantastic. So it's really cool to see Felicia Rashad, Felicia Rashad still getting work in i mean she's still and she's inflappable i mean she was flawless in her role in this movie so i i thought she was great um toast uh tosin marahufanola uh, he plays gary which is uh, another one of the characters in the movie he's been on the chicago med tv series he's been on the shy and he's also been on the black lightning tell he's, he's also on the black lightning television series that unfortunately just got canceled uh, it, it for, I mean, they got like one more season left and that's the end of Black Lightning. Unbelievable. But he's also in that. So, you know, Tosin uh, has a respectable 39 credits to his name. So he's he's a solid actor. Now, as far as the character arcs go, we're only going to really get into those three main people. So uh, there's other characters who were in the movie like um, uh, Nolan's uh, daughter, who Mamadou plays. But. I didn't really want to get into her arc because she's just kind of there as like a, uh, how can I say this? She's, I want to see a plot. She's kind of like a plot device. She's there for a reason. 
Uh, but and ultimately you find out who she is as the film unfolds. But as far as the main arcs, the, the big question is, who is Nolan? OK, because Nolan is trying to figure that out himself. He, he has suffered this horrible injury that's made him question who he is and what reality he's in. And I thought Mamadou did a great job of creating a character that was believable and had depth. But there were times where I thought his effect and his personality was a little flat. OK, it's kind of hard to read his emotionality and get a real good grip on his personality. Uh, mainly because his character didn't really have any quirks or any kind of strange idiosyncrasies. You know, he wasn't a drinker. I, I take that back. He did. Did he smoke or did he not smoke? That's something that I mean, like that, that comes up in the movie as an issue of his. But you're not quite sure if it's him that's smoking or if it's his memory of him that's smoking. It's weird. So, I mean. It could all be a, bribe, a byproduct of the circumstances of his brain where he's kind of, um, you know, playing out these different type of roles. But me personally, for somebody who's going through this kind of amnesia circumstance, I thought it was a little bit two dimensional. I didn't really get that three dimensional view of him. Lillian, play, uh, played by Philly, uh, played by Felicia Rashad. She's the doctor in this movie. And I'm telling you something, man, there's nothing scarier than a doctor that has an ulterior motive. You know, are they helping you? Or are they really helping themselves with the experiments that they're trying to run on you? And from the moment that we're introduced to Lillian, there's something off about her. You know, you just can't quite figure it out. But you're sitting there watching her on screen and you're kind of like, ah, you know, she's got that whole mad doctor thing going on, you know. And and, and when you see, you know, mad doctors or mad scientists, they're, they're strange folks because they have a reason for doing what they're doing, which makes them very driven. And they're willing to experiment upon anything or anybody just to prove that their research is valid. Um Lillian felt very, very believable, but you know, a lot of her backstory was also uh, left out of this story as well. So it's kind of, uh, again, another kind of two and a half dimensional character. Garrick, the uh, Gary, who plays a trusted friend, the trusted friend, he has a flat arc uh, as good friends are supposed to be. There really isn't much that changes him. He has an anchor uh, that provides support for Nolan. Uh, and I appreciated him throughout the entire of the movie. He has his general affinity uh, for Nolan and his daughter, and he was the mainstay and guiding force for Nolan as he struggled with his condition of amnesia. Now, as far as the uh, the subtext and the dialogue, since this is a, a film where um, confusion occurs in the mind, it's kind of hard to differentiate between the subtext and the symbolism of the dialogue. Regardless of that, uh, the conversations seem very, very normal. Uh, the lines don't seem forced or over the top. But like most, but like other films, it's very important that you pay attention to what's being said as the conversations are like puzzle pieces that you as the viewer are trying to put together to kind of figure out what's going on. Now, uh, as far as the conflicts in this movie, I really can't get into all the conflicts without revealing what the story is about. But I will say that there is an internal conflict going on with Nolan revolving around his past that he must overcome in order for him to survive. And so... It's 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 kind of it's it's kind of neat to watch it um, manifest itself, and you'll see what I mean when you watch the movie. And then ultimately, when it finally is revealed as to you know who Nolan is battling against, oh man, it, it, it's very very. I I I found it to be kind of like a an aha moment, like oh now I get it. And then you kind of see how the film kind of resolves itself in, into the third act. Now. Uh, using Blake Snyder's Save the Cat plot devices. Man, I, I want to kind of say this is a monster in the house kind of story uh, because there is a monster 
uh, but it's in Nolan's mind. And I can't really go into uh, any types of previous issues that were committed because that would give the plot away. But I will say um, what has happened has created one of these monsters that's in Nolan's mind that uh, is definitely coming back. I won't say coming back for revenge, but it's coming back to reestablish himself. Now, you could also argue that this is kind of like a, uh, uh, I won't say a golden fleece, but kind of like a journey because as Nolan is on this mission to recover his mind, uh, he's trying to discover who he is. And each one of those scenes brings him a little bit closer uh, to the truth as the incidents along the way, uh, which are told through flashbacks and current events, help explain, well, I won't say flashbacks. They're kind of like these moments in his mind, but they also explain about what he's looking for and who he hopes to truly discover and figure out exactly who he is. Now, now as I'm saying this, don't get me wrong, because I, I, I'm like confusing myself as I'm talking about this, but trust me, when, when you watch it, 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 it'll all make sense. Thematically, there is definitely a redemptive theme, okay? There is a series of unfortunate events that are hidden with the plot in the dream sequence that explained the current state of amnesia and the internal battles of Nolan. And that, again, is as far as I can go. And it's up to you as the viewer to decide whether or not these characters are remorseful for their past actions or do they wish to change themselves and release themselves from their pain. So it's kind of like an interesting uh, understanding as to what's happened and why they've, why it's occurred. Now, you could argue that there is a transformative theme here in the realm of discovery to, as a desire to change one's past, but the question is, is that what the impetus of the protagonist's story is? Is that what they're fighting for? So it's, it's, it's kind of, trust me, this is, there's a lot going on in this movie that's, that when you watch it, it's, it's, it's good stuff. It, it really, <laughs> I like the way the premise and the, and the idea of this story really played itself out. The structure of the film, um, was well balanced. Uh, in the first act, we're introduced into Nolan's life of amnesia. Uh, when we break into the second act, uh, Nolan decides to go for therapy to help restore his memory. About midway through, he is battling the things that are going on in his mind. And then finally, in the third act, we find out who Nolan really and truly is. OK, so it does have a nice ending to it as well. Uh, Emmanuel uh, Osir Kufour is the director of this. Uh, and he essentially has six credits with five of them being shorts. So Black Box is kind of like his first major motion picture. So that explains, I guess you could say, some of the shortcomings when it came to the character development and other items that you'll notice as you watch the movie. Now, I, where I thought uh, O.C. Kufour did a really good job was in the dream sequences. OK, they are man, they are creepy and they are weird. OK, and they will have you on edge and slightly uncomfortable, especially with the sound mixing that goes on. Um, the design of the sets and the scenes, uh, they're riddled with details uh, that leave clues for you to figure out as the film progresses, which really help with the telling of the story. Uh, the overall mood of the film, I thought, was a little bit unsettling uh, until you get to that point where you, as a viewer, will have your own aha moment. But from the very beginning of the movie, after he sits down in Lillian's chair, uh, you get this kind of uneasy feeling that continues throughout. The editing, I thought, was done really, really well as each shot and scene blended well, allowing for the story to flow. And I don't really recall about any music in this movie that was really memorable at all. What worked for me was the mystery and the intrigue of the story and trying to figure out what exactly is going in this guy's mind. But what didn't work uh, for me that it was, even though the movie 
kind of transitioned from scene to scene kind of well. I thought the story and the way the plot played itself out was a little choppy. So it, it, when you first watch it, it's kind of hard to follow. You're like, what the heck's going on? Uh, but it definitely requires viewing more than once, you know, unless you're just a savvy film watcher and you just figure things out. I mean, some people are like that. They watch me for the first time. They're like, oh, I get it. And then they're able to tell it to everybody else who's sitting in the room as the smartest person in that room. But for myself, I had to watch it twice to really understand what I was looking at. As far as rating goes, this thing has an NR on it. So it's not rated. There's no R or PG-13. And there's nothing really in it except some disturbing images. And there's a few curse words, but there's nothing else. And as far as the uh, Aristotle Index goes, the only real unconvincing possibility revolves around Lillian's work as a doctor. You know, is it possible to really restore a patient's uh, suffering from amnesia using hypnosis? Uh, if you believe that it's possible, then you can fully suspend your disbelief and enjoy what is an otherwise great story. IMDb gave it a very uh, solid 6.1 and Rotten Tomatoes gave it a certified fresh 74% and the audience score came in at a very robust 62%. So this is definitely a well-respected and well-liked film. As far as my uh, cinema and cocktails rating, I gave it a very solid uh, three and a half out of four remotes. From a structure standpoint, uh, Black Box is a little tricky to follow. Uh, but but you uh, have to appreciate how the story is told as a whole. Even though I'm not quite sure exactly what this film is trying to say, Mamadou and Felicia Rashad were great. You know, it's kind of has this kind of whole feeling like get out. Because once you puzzle the story together, you'll really enjoy the experience. It's truly a unique story that requires more than one viewing. So we have another synopsis inspired drink. Another movie where I didn't even have to watch it. All I had to do was see what the movie was about and I knew where I wanted to go with this one. For this movie, I would recommend drinking a mind eraser. Ta-da, mind eraser, get it? <laughs> so uh, as far as making a mind eraser, very, very easy to make. All you need is two ounces of vodka, two ounces of a coffee liqueur, Kahlua, obviously, and you want to add some club soda to top it off. Okay, so you basically want to put the coffee liqueur and vodka into a glass with some ice uh, and then top it off with the club soda, serve with a straw. Now, it says uh, club soda, but I wonder how this would taste with Coke. Uh, there's another drink out there that's called Kahlua Coke Float, uh, coffee where, where you use coffee ice cream, Coca-Cola. Uh, and the coffee liqueur. So I'm pretty sure you could probably use Coke instead of just club soda to top it off with. Uh, and I'm sure if you want to make it sweet, you can add some cream, which actually gives you kind of like a white Russian with some effervescence. However, as always, uh, as I warn people when they make their drinks, if you decide to make a mind eraser, just make sure you recognize who you are after you've had a few. Otherwise, you will be trapped in your own mental black box. Okay, and episode 11 is in the books. Um, let me apologize for not getting this out as fast as I had hoped. Uh, life happens, and I got caught up with some things last week that did not allow me to get the quality episode that I wanted to share with you all 
for last weekend. So I, I apologize, I apologize for that, man. Please, for please forgive me. Uh, be that as it may, moving forward, I pledge to you from now on that I will have a new episode up and ready to go every Friday morning, so that you will have something to look forward to listening to when it comes to trying to find a movie to watch. And also a nice set of cocktails for you to drink and to enjoy your weekend with. Because remember, like the great G.K. Chesterton once said, when we do drink, we only do it because we are happy, but never because we are miserable. At least that's what he says. (laughs) As always, be safe, take care, and I will see you, or you will hear from me, (laughs) Friday morning. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.